and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we are finally going to be dipping our toes, getting into the pool that is horror movies, finally, on this podcast. And we're going to be covering 1976's Carrie. This was directed by Brian De Palma, and it was written by Lawrence Cohen. It was adapted from Stephen King's first novel of the same name, Carrie. And so my history with this movie, I mean, I, this is literally the first horror movie I think I ever saw that I really, really connected with. Um, You know, growing up, I um, am a child of the 90s, so in terms of horror, you know, I grew up with, you know, Goosebumps, Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know, I was uh, living with these examples of horror in my life. And also, like, the scary stories to tell in the dark books. Um, Those were another piece of horror media that you could get your hands on. Um, And so, you know, I kind of ate those up and I really loved them. Um, But I was also, like, for example, like, you was frightened of, like, the Crypt Keeper, you know? And, like, even though it's a comedic character, obviously. um, But, you know, uh, that terrified me because he looks crazy. He looks fucking scary when you're, like, a kid. So, um, but for some reason, like, when I first saw this movie, Carrie, I think I saw it on TBS or something back in the day. And I just fell in love with it. I mean, it, just everything about it, like the music, the, the score of this film, just the way it looked, um, the actors and their performances, you know, making these bold choices that they're doing. And, and just everything about this film, like it really set me onto a path of like, all right, I, I don't completely know what I just watched, but as a child, but like, I know I want more of it. You know, um, I want to be spooked. I want to be scared. Um, and maybe it was because, you know, at this time, like I could understand what it was like to be outcast and bullied. And, you know, uh, that's really what Carrie is, is the story of a, a young girl who is just trying to be, you know, normal. She just wants to be normal. That's all she ever wants. And she never can get that. And, she's doesn't want to be othered for who she is and but because of the way she's been brought up and because of the you know family she's coming from from with her crazy mother you know it is just all odds are against her um and i think for whatever reason well you know for that particular reason you know this is why people who have been othered whether it be I mean, for all hosts of things, you know, whether it be like you're othered because of your sexuality, because of the color of your skin, because of, you know, your dis- you know, disability or something or, or whatever makes you different, you know, it it really, I think, can, you know, in a way, people can empathize with Carrie, you know, and, and I think that's why this story is so long lasting, Um and honestly, it's just my favorite horror movie of, of all time. Um, so I'm very happy to be covering it. Um, so the plan for this episode is to go over some figures for the film, uh, talk about uh, some critical response quotes uh, that I was able to pull from Rotten Tomatoes, and then I'll talk a little bit about 
also some of the other adaptations of Carrie as well, since we have the 1976 movie that I'm going over today, um, but we also have a 2002 TV remake, and then we also have a 2013 theatrical remake. Um, and then we'll move into a plot summary, and then during, throughout the plot summary, I'll just kind of sprinkle in some uh, little fun facts that I know about the film, um, since this is my favorite movie, like, it's my favorite horror movie, so like, you know, of course I know a little something here and there. Um, um, a lot of this information, uh, especially the fun facts that I get, are going to be coming from uh, mostly uh, some of these fun facts are coming from IMDb trivia, you know, which I only take so much of a, I take with a grain of salt. But um, also, there's a great documentary. Um, I don't own Carrie, unfortunately, but I, I will at some point. Um, there's a. Uh, a documentary about um, it's called Acting Carrie, and it's talking to the different um, actors in this film and how they were cast in the film, how they approached the process, and everything like that. Um, you can find it on YouTube pretty easily. Um, so I'm getting this information, some of these fun facts from that. Um, so you know, take that for what it is. Of course, I also wanted to just mention as well. Um, because I have it on some of my other episodes, but it kind of goes without saying, this is a film review podcast, so spoilers are ahead. So if you've never seen Carrie, if you've never seen any of the other movies that I've covered, um, just know I'm spoiling the hell out of them. And so if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, go watch the movie, and then go listen to me. <laughs> All right, so let's get into a few figures about this movie. So Carrie was released uh, November 3rd, 1976, with a limited release in the U.S., and then a wide release on November 16th, 1976. Uh, the budget for this film, according to IMDb, was $1.8 million, and it ended up uh, having a box office of $33.8 million. So it did good uh, against what the investment was. We're looking at a Rotten Tomatoes score of 93% on the tomato meter and a 77% audience score. We're then looking at an IMDb score of 7.4 out of 10, and then a Letterboxd score of 3.9 out of 5. So I've pulled some critical response quotes from some critics over time about this film. Um, if you've listened to the show, you kind of know that I like to get some of the rotten ones, uh, because we could talk about how much we love these movies all day, but I always just like kind of looking at the uh, the bad quotes or the rotten quotes, um, because I'm just like, really, y'all? Like, come on now. Um, so we have James Barinelli from Reels View. Uh, this was uh, done pre-2000 from what it looks like. He states, There is a little suspense or dramatic tension. Everything plays out like bad melodrama or cheap exploitation. We then have Richard Eater from the New York Times. He posted this on May 9th, 2005. He states, it is sometimes funny in a puzzling kind of way. It is generally overwrought in an irritating kind of way. And once in a while, it is inappropriately touching. And then we have Dave Kerr from the Chicago Reader. He posted this review on September 25th, 2007. He states, this 1976 thriller about a high school outcast, Sissy Spacek, who uses her telekinetic powers to massacre the graduating class, contains a number of interesting ideas, but as with most of his films, De Palma can't keep track of them. So in regards to the cult classic status of this film, Carrie, um, I think it, it really kind of goes without saying that, I mean, this is definitely one of the 
penultimate horror movies, you know, I think it is up there with, you know, things like uh, Psycho, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Night of the Living Dead, uh, you know, the Friday the 13th series, you know, um, that for fans of horror who are looking to get into it, um, I mean, it, it's right up there for me, at least, and, and that's what I think, at least. Um, but, you know, I think that this film... Um, you know, has that cult following because it it really has permeated our pop culture. Anytime you um, reference the prom massacre scene, you know, people know what that is pretty much almost all over the world. Um, you know, and and that's that is power, honestly. Um, you know, this was able to um really jumpstart Stephen King's writing career. Um you know, it launched Brian to Palma, where he was able to make more movies. Uh, a lot of these actors were able to then have some, you know, steady careers after this. Um, and there's some of them are still working even today. So it's it's kind of awesome to see the pull that this movie has. Um, and I absolutely consider it a cult classic. Um, people dress up as Carrie. They have things inspired uh, by her. Uh, so many movies have been inspired by this film. So many directors and uh, all sorts of people have been inspired by Carrie. And, and there's no surprise in that. So I definitely think that this particular um this particular story, this particular movie um, has affected so many different people and, and it's really touched them in a way. So before we move into um, like a plot summary of this film, Carrie, um, I did want to just mention about the other adaptations of this um, particular story. Um, so we have this uh, film in 1976, which did very well. We then have a 2002 remake of this film um, film story pretty much uh that was on tv then we have a 2013 theatrical remake um that was released in theaters uh we also have a direct sequel called the rage carry 2 um we're, we're not really going to talk about that in this episode who knows i might make an episode of that later on at some point um i actually don't mind the movie but i definitely understand um people's indifference towards it but anyway, uh, we have this adaptation in 1976, and then we have the 2002 TV version of, uh, TV movie version of this, uh, story. And so, uh, my thoughts about that. So I was probably 10 years old when that came out, um, so I was all, all here for it, because I had already watched this movie. And, uh, it stars Angela Bettis playing Carrie. It has Patricia Clarkson from, um... I think she was in Shawshank Redemption or something. She was also on Six Feet Under as well. Um, and she's a known actress uh, playing Margaret White. You then have Emile DeRaven, who was on Lost. I didn't watch Lost. But um, she was on there. She was also in the Hills Have Eyes remake, which was, which was you know, gory. But uh, I didn't mind it. Um, and you had, like, Catherine Isbell in there from Ginger Snaps and... Um, she wasn't in Freddy vs. Jason yet, but she uh, was also in that. She's in Stur Disturbed Behavior, too. Ooh, we'll, we'll think about doing an episode for Disturbed Behavior. That, that movie has a, an interesting story if you don't already know it. Anyway, that 2002 version, um, so it was adapted, uh, I think it was produced by Brian Fuller, who's like a known producer. He's also um, gay as well, I believe, which is cool. Um, 
but he uh, helped produce this movie, um, and it was actually a backdoor pilot for a television series that did not end up going anywhere. Um, now, spoiler alert, the end of this uh, TV version is pretty much that uh, the whole massacre has happened, you know, Carrie's mom dies, all that stuff, but then nobody seems to be able to find Carrie's body. You know, out of all the people who've died in this whole massacre, um, nobody can seem to find Carrie, and apparently she died, when really she didn't die. This whole time, Sue Snell, um, throughout the movie, who we're, we've talked to and, and all that, um, she's actually been keeping her in hiding because they're going to, like, go to Florida or something um, to go and, like, I don't know, escape from this whole thing. Uh, and Angela Bettis has a real bad wig in it. If you just look up the ending, like, oh, my God. Um, so that was a really bad ending. Uh, not good. But overall, I actually did not mind that adaptation. Um, is it good? Uh, not exactly. I think it could trimmed off a, a little bit. It is two hours and 12 minutes, um, which I'm not surprised by because it was a TV movie, but I mean, damn, like we didn't need all that. Um, I don't think, but, um, I will say that I liked the gym teacher in it. Miss, um, I think she was called Miss Desjardin in this, um, version let me just uh make sure of that actually uh but i'm pretty sure she was though but overall i did like this this film um i like the idea of i did like that carrie was played differently by this by angela bettis um she was in um this movie may um which if you have not watched may please go watch it it's fucking amazing um i think you can find it on tubi i believe but uh you know i i think with um this particular version i do like that it was a little different than um what we had um with sissy spacek you know angela bettis is really good at playing these like awkward characters and i think this absolutely worked I believe it was, uh, I think it was James A. Janice on Dead Meat. I was listening to a podcast um, of his that he does with his wife, Chelsea, and they were talking about remakes, and they talk about the 22, uh, they talk about the Carrie remake for 2002, and then the 2013 one. And I think James mentioned, he was like, you know, this version of Carrie in the 2002 remake is a very self-aware version of Carrie, and she's very resentful, and she's aware of her position in the, um, in the school as a whole. And I actually really agree with him on that because, you know, when I, I saw this many moons ago, many years ago, again, this is my favorite horror movie. And I absolutely think that, you know, it, it's a different take on Carrie White. Because I think normally, you know, um, I have read the book before, but it's been a million years since I have. But when it comes to this character, she, I think, is supposed to be this, like, awkward, sheltered, outcast girl, you know? Um, but the fact that Angela Bettis gave her a, a, a an edge, in a way, um, and made it a little more realistic in that manner, as opposed to Sissy Spacek just being like on the verge at all times, you know what I mean? And like about to have a nervous breakdown at any point. Um, I thought that was actually a really good way of doing it. Um, I also love some of the scenes. Like I, I love when um in the movie, in the TV movie. So 
Carrie's been invited to prom and her, she's making her dress and her mom is saying some stuff about like, you know, um, she's talking about the Bible and like quoting some verses. And I love how Carrie just says like, sometimes I think you're just making this stuff up. Um, and her mom's just like, you know, it's in the Bible, read it. Um, you should read it now. And Carrie's like, I'll do it later. And so, no, read it now. And then her mom pretty much says like, you know, when you need Jesus, he won't be there for you because he doesn't love you anymore. And then literally, like, Carrie kind of gets buck with her mom, and she's just like, Jesus loves everybody, including me. And it's just that rebellion. You know, you see that in this film. Um, but I love seeing that bit of rebellion from Carrie uh, towards her mother, you know, because um, I think that's an integral part of the story. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there are little parts that I do like about that. Um, the, the prom massacre scene, I, I like how they had uh, people survive the massacre because people did survive the massacre. Not everyone died, um, like in the book. So like, you know, I do like that. And they did keep, uh, to the book a little bit more overall. I did prefer this more than the 2013 remake. We'll get to that. But was, all right, so then we're moving into the 2013 remake. So this was directed by Kimberly Pierce, who did Boys Don't Cry with Hilary Swank. Um, this stars Chloe Grace Moretz as Carrie, Julianne Moore as Margaret White. You got, um, I think, Ansel Elgort's in there. He plays, I think, Tommy or somebody, I think. I don't remember. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, Judy Greer, my girl from Jawbreaker, and a bunch of movies in the 2000s are is in there. Love her. Uh, oh, Miss Desjardins was in the 2002 remake. Just check that out a little bit ago. And the, she's also Miss Desjardins in this one as well. But um, this 2013 remake, I was in college when this came out. I was 21, I think. Somewhere like that. And I went. I was living in Baltimore, um, going to college. And uh, I was living in a suite at my school, and uh, my suite mate at the time, uh, not my roommate, but my suite mate, uh, he had uh, access to a zip car. Y'all remember zip car where you could, like, rent out a car at, like, your school or something, you know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> you could, like, take it. And so I didn't drive at the time, but, like, I remember uh, I wanted to go see this movie, and I asked my roommate, who really liked the movies, too, he would... Um, when he had free time, he was watching movies on his laptop all the time and, like, whatever, totally understand that. And uh, I was like, hey, well, you know, if you want, like, we can go see this movie together. And so we drove out to to um, somewhere in Baltimore. We went and saw this movie. I went and saw it, spent my good little money that I had at the time on it. And I remember thinking when I left the theater, because we were talking on our way back to school, you know, uh, he asked like how I liked it because I told him I love this movie. You know, I love this original story. I love the old version. Like, so we'll see how I like it. And I just remember telling him I was like, yeah, they didn't do anything like amazing. You know, they it was just updated. It had cell phones, and that was about it. Like, it just it it was kind of it wasn't shot for shot, I guess, but it just was not it was not hitting like I needed it to hit. Um. I don't, I, maybe I went in with some sort of expectations. I don't know. Like, I don't remember. It was years ago now. You know, I think for myself, at least when I was looking at this movie, I was like, why are they making it? You know, why are they remaking it? You know, if it's not broke, why are we fix? Why are we trying to fix it? It doesn't need to be fixed. My, 
I will give at least that, like, the car scene at the end where, like, Chris and Billy are in the car and it, like, explodes and shit. That was cool. Um, and Julianne Moore, I think, was fine. I think she actually did very well. And I'm not really, uh, I'm not not a fan of Chloe Grace Moretz, I guess. I don't have a reason not to be, and I don't have a reason to dislike her or whatever. But I will say that, I mean, I just think she looked a little too normal. There is something about Sissy Spacek and Angela Bettis in those respective roles that they did, where they are good at playing these awkward people and these kind of sheltered people. Uh, that's just something, something's a little off with them. You know what I mean? Um, Angela Bettis did that beautifully in May. Um, Carrie, you know, Spacey Spacek did it beautifully in Carrie. Um, that just something was a little off with them, you know? And to me, when I saw Chloe Grace Moretz, she was also 16 at the time. So she was the youngest person who ever did this movie. Like, she's the youngest. But I just, uh, no. I She just seemed a little too normal to me. I didn't believe her being this, like, awkward person who this upbringing of hers would have made her in a way i just didn't buy it and i feel like and i don't know any names you know off the top of my head of who could have done it i think if they went up in age just a little bit more just a little bit maybe not casting a 25 year old 26 year old or whatever like they did initially but you know um, in the initial movies but like you know if you could at least like have someone who's maybe just a little bit older who could really play awkward well. Because if you have a girl, you know, a female presenting person who can play a r- awkward girl really well, you're you're halfway there. You know what I mean? Like you are because that's a big part of this film, you know, and and it's a big part of the the story as a whole, you know. Um you're supposed to believe that, you know, if you do carry up a little bit, you know, she can, she can be presentable and, and look nice and look good. You know what I mean? Like, she doesn't, um, of course, Sissy Spacek and Angel Betters are gorgeous, but, like, you know, they're they're very beautiful. Um, and, you know, in the book, like, you know, Carrie's, like, you know, brunette. She's, like, overweight a little bit, you know, and I, I can understand that Hollywood's not going to, you know, they're going to have a certain kind of person who's coming in as an actor. I, I kind of get that. Um, but... I just think there's there would have been a better actress to take that role on, um, you know. But that's just what I think. You know, I don't necessarily. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it did anything like horrible, horrible. But you know, you can watch it if you want. But I don't really want to watch it again if I don't have to. <laughs> I I'd, I'd maybe even watch the 2002 version before I'd watch the 2013 one. Yeah, but that's just my opinion. So now that we've kind of gone over all that stuff, we're now just going to move into our plot summary. And then, as I stated, I'll give some fun facts while we're doing the plot summary. So we open the movie on this volleyball game that's happening. So you can uh, see there's two sides of the net, and the girls are just trying to keep the... um, the volleyball up and you know be able to keep it going across the net we see that there's a gym teacher here um and then uh you see that we're looking up and then we are coming down to carrie um who's played by sissy spacek we're kind of um focusing on her and then you hear the girls being like hit it to carrie she'll blow it 
And so uh, Carrie's played by Sissy Spacek, like I said. And then you see that she kind of flubs the game. And then her teammates are all like, you know, ugh, Carrie, like, what the hell? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so you then see this girl who has short shorts and feathered hair. Uh, this is Chris Harginson, played by Nancy Allen. She just says to Carrie, you eat shit. And then we get into the, uh, one of the most controversial scenes of, of horror movies is the shower scene. This shower scene is literal, full-on boobs and bush. Um, it was the 70s, I guess. Um, but this is just, uh, yep, showing you everything. So these girls are in the locker room after gym class. They're getting changed. All this. Of course, when this was showing on television... This was not, uh, this was going to be cut out a whole, whole lot. Um, and also with this volleyball game that we just saw, apparently it was like a real bitch to like keep that volleyball going, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. And I'll get to uh, Norma in a little bit, but uh, we saw Norma who had the red hat on. She's played by PJ Souls. It was actually during that scene where uh, what happened was she was only supposed to be like kind of a minor character. Um, but during the audition, um, what was it? Uh, she had this red hat and she was able to like, um, during the scene or the audition, I think she like hit Carrie with the hat or whatever, which she does in the scene. And, um, she, you know, Brian De Palma really liked that for whatever reason. So he had her come back with it. And that's kind of what, you know, got her the job a little bit. Anyway. So we have the shower scene going on, right? You got these naked, uh, supposed naked teenage girls, which is kind of odd when you think about it. Um, but you see them, you know, you see like, uh, it's just like on their bodies. It's not all on their bodies, but you definitely see some, some nudite. Um, you see, uh, a couple different people. So you see Sue Snell, who's played by Amy Irving, the, uh, before, uh, she was at one point, Mrs. Steven Spielberg. She no longer is, but she was married to him for a while. Um, and so, let's see. Uh, you got this shower. So you see Nancy Allen. You uh, you see Chris. Uh, do you see Norma? You might see Norma somewhere. Norma's played by PJ Souls. Uh, you see Helen, who's played by a young Edie McClurg, who was like 30 at the time. Um, and uh, she's kind of a riot. Uh, and then we go into the shower and we see Carrie. So Carrie is just, you know, lathering her stuff up, you know, she's just washing herself after this, um, this, uh, the sports, you know, sports game. And so you just see, like, you know, she's using the uh, soap and, you know, you see her just like little pasty body. And um, then you start to, and you hear this beautiful score. So the score was done by Pino DiNaggio, um, who uh, had gone on and done other scores. Uh, most notably, he did 1979's Taurus Trap, which is a great little horror movie. I might do an episode on that at one point. It's a great horror movie if you if you look it up. But um, So you just hear this like beautiful music, and it's just really nice and tranquil and all that. And then you start to see as Carrie's washing her body and all this stuff, um, you then see that there's blood trailing down her leg. And so she is noticing that she is bleeding. Um, now, this was actually, um, you know, K Sissy Spacek was kind of trying to get into character and was trying to figure out, like, well, what is it like? And the direction she was given was, like, you know, this is like being hit by a Mack truck. 
And so Carrie was like, all right, what does it, what does it mean to be hit by a Mack truck? Like, what does that feel like? So uh, Sissy Spacek actually went to her husband, who is actually the art director, one of the art directors of this film, Jack Fisk, who has uh, since gone on to be one of David Lynch's, like, art director people. Um, she's married to him. They've been married forever. Um, they were married during this uh, movie. And um, they, have a, they have a kid. But anyway, uh, apparently he had gotten hit by a car in his youth. So he had to, like, explain to her, like, while she was doing the scene with, like, nobody else around, because I think that's how they did it, um, you know, she he explained to her, like, you know, here's what it was like. It was Christmas time. Um, I was walking around looking at lights, and then I got hit by this, you know, car, and it was like this, you know? Anyway, so you see this shower scene. So Carrie's just looking at this, and she's just like, what? is going on she sees all the other girls and they're getting changed and all that she's still naked as jaybird and she is just freaking out and she just runs not runs but she like stumbles out of the shower and just goes up to these girls and is all just screaming like help me help me please help me and then they are just like egging her on they're like having their little um their little tampons and they're just like look norma she got uh, we uh she needs a tampon and all this and it's oh god it's just they back her pretty much into this corner of the shower and then they destroy school property sue with her dumbass she's like destroying school property to take these sanitary pads these sanitary um napkins pretty much and She's just, like, passing them to the girls, and they're just chanting and yelling, plug it up, plug it up. Um, And they're just, like, doing it. And it's fucking crazy. It reminds me of, like, um, it's so humiliating, first off. Like, that is so humiliating. I'm not a woman. I don't have a period or anything. But, goddamn, that seems like it's humiliating as ever. But, like, you know, it's that. But it reminded me of, like... Oh my god, like, I don't even know, like, it reminded me of, like, Jacob's Ladder, for example, like, um, when they put, uh, spoil, not really spoiler, spoiler, but, like, when they put Tim Roth in, like, the, uh, freaking uh, ice bath or whatever, and you just see that they're, like, laughing at him, kind of, it's just, like, weird as hell, um, so, I don't know if that was an inspiration or anything, but this, this scene was just crazy. So then, you know, Miss Collins, played by Betty Buckley... And good old Betty Buckley, who ended up being Margaret White in the Broadway failed Broadway production of this move of this story. Um, she comes out and she's just like looking to see like, well, what's going on, guys? Like, what's going on? And she, and you know, they, she goes to Sue and she's like, Sue, what's going on? She's like, it's Carrie. Like, she got her period. Like, oh. and you know, Miss Collins, and we'll talk about Miss Collins, but like, you know, Miss Collins is just like Carrie. You got to grow up. Like, you got to stand up and take care of yourself. And then. Uh, you hear all this commotion going on and I don't think she hits her. She might like kind of slap her a little bit. Um, and then you just see this light, just like, um, you see this light just like pop. And then, you know, Miss Collins is like, all right, get out of here, guys. Like, get out. Um, and she's comforting Carrie because she starts to then realize like this girl doesn't know what's going on right now. She has no idea. And so she's comforting her, kind of like a, a mom, mama bird, if you will, you know, and, and there's all that. And um, so that scene ends, um, thank God. And so then you see Carrie sitting outside the principal's office. 
and you see that uh, he and Miss Collins are talking inside. I think it was Principal Morton is the name. Um, and so he is talking to her, uh, talking to Miss um, Collins, and she says something to the effect of Miss um, Collins says something about like she's always been their scapegoat. So you can tell that, like, Carrie has been made fun of from day one. Like, completely. And so then um, Principal Morton asks uh, Carrie to come in, but he calls her Cassie Wright. And he, like, literally has just, like, he must have, like, some kind of brain damage or, like, I don't know what's going on with him. Because, like, literally, he can't remember her name when she's literally, like, he, Miss Collins is literally telling him her name. And I'm like, what is going on here? Are you kidding me? Um, and he's talking about, like, you know, yeah, we're all sorry about this incident, Cassie. You know, and um, do you need a, do you need a cab? Would you like to go down to the infirmary, lay down for a bit? And Miss Collins is just like, I think she can walk home. Like, you know, just take study all, Carrie. It's fine. And so then you have the net last uh, bit of dialogue from Mr. Principal Morton. Um, he says, you know, we're so sorry about this incident, Cassie. And then uh, you already heard Carrie say it's Carrie under her breath, kind of like quietly. And she just screams out loud, like it's Carrie. And then you see this ashtray just flip and break onto the floor. And it's just iconic. Um, so then you see uh, Carrie walking home. She's just walking down the street. And this little boy on his bike is, like, going, like, figure-eighting through the freaking trees. Um, this kid was actually played by the nephew of Brian De Palma, a uh, kid by the name of Cameron. And actually, when he goes up to Carrie and he just yells, Creepy Carrie! Creepy Carrie! That was actually Betty Buckley doing that voice. Um, and then, but Carrie is an icon. She just, like, makes him fall on the floor, uh, ground, which is great. And also, uh, kind of referencing one of the other episodes I did, um, this particular shot of Carrie walking down the, uh, the street actually, uh, is homaged, if you will, in, uh, the 1999 movie Jawbreaker, when Fern Mayo is walking down the, um, street carrying Liz Purr's books, uh, while the friends of Liz are trying to, you know, they pull up to the house and are going to be putting her back in bed after they find out she's dead. But that whole shot with Fermeo with the books, that was pretty much like taken from Carrie on this scene. So that was kind of fun. So then we see Margaret uh, played by Piper Laurie. Uh, she had been, I think, I think she even won an Oscar for, um, a movie before, but then she almost pretty much retired from acting, uh, after that. And this, she came out of retirement for this. So we see Margaret, uh, going to Sue's house. She's walking up with her, like, you know, big ass hair that she has her, you know, big hair. And then we see Sue's mom. Uh, we don't learn her first name. I don't think she's just Mrs. Snell. Uh, apparently she's married to a doctor. Um, so Sue's mom is like inside watching a soap opera because you just hear the dialogue on the TV. And uh, she sees that Margaret uh, White is at her door. She lets her in. And she's just like, you know, Margaret's just like, oh, how's the doctor? And how's Sue? But you know, whatever, whatever. You know, just asking these questions like, you know, I ain't letting nobody in my house. Are you kidding me? Like, what you mean? But this is a different time. And then Margaret says something like, you know, I think Carrie's in some of Sue's classes. Um, and then Sue's mom even asks, like, if Carrie would like to visit. I, I, I just got that on this watch. Like, I was like, wait a minute. Like, even even Miss um, 
even Miss Snell, like she was um trying to like include Carrie kinda, you know, or all that. I don't know if I mentioned this already, but uh, you know, Mrs. Snell is played by Priscilla Pointer, who is actually the real life mother of Amy Irving. So they actually are playing mother and daughter in this movie. So then we see a little team pamphlet given to Mar uh, given by Margaret to Sue's mom. And then uh, Mrs. Snell has a phone call. She gets a phone call from her friend. And she's on the phone being like, hey, girl, hey. Like, you know, Margaret White's at my house. Let me, give me a minute. I'll get rid of her. And then I'm going to give her like 10 bucks. Um, I'll call you back in a minute, all right? So we can gossip. And so then she goes back out. She gives Margaret some money um, for the little little donation jar. You know, pretty much she's just like, okay, like, I gave you money. Go go away now. Um, and so then uh, Miss uh, Miss Margaret, she says, um, but before she leaves, she just uh, puts her hand up and just, like, waves and just says, I pray you find Jesus. So then she leaves. So then Margaret comes back home. So you see Carrie's already up in her little little room in the, uh, like, the freaking attic or something. And Margaret gets a phone call from the school. Uh, and then she's just like, yes, yes, thank you. Um, I love the way Piper Laurie talks. It's so interesting. But, um, Margaret says like, I know you're listening. Come down here, child. And so, um, Margaret calls Carrie downstairs and the, I just put in my notes, the score for this whole scene is so goddamn gorgeous. Because it is. Peter DiNaggio really did that. It's so pretty. Um, anyway, so Margaret is like, has her back turned to Carrie. And then, uh, you know, Carrie's like, who was on the phone, Mama? Um, and she just says, you're a woman now. And then she, uh, Carrie's just like, why don't you tell me, Mama? And then literally just, she gets hit with a fucking bible which is crazy um and tells her about eve you know uh, she's like eve was weak say it woman say it and she said the first thing was intercourse and just all of this gobbledygook i don't know about, for me i'm not very religious like whatsoever so like i think what's freaky about this movie is that like the thing is is that uh, when it comes to horror movies i love them so much but like i'm not affected by like the slashers and like all this kind of stuff. Cause at some point I kind of know that like some of this stuff's fake, you know, and some of the stuff is not, is not real, obviously, but like shit like this, like religious, um, you know, zealotism, if you will. It's so freaky to me. Um, because there are literal people who are like this. Do you know what I mean? So like, I, Oh, ooh, it freaks me out anyway. So then Margaret, uh, you know, and literally Carrie the whole time is like, you know, she said, you should have told me, mama. Like, you should have told me. Like, the girls all, you know, threw things at me and laughed and whatever. Um, and she's like, I didn't, you know, Margaret's all like, you know, help the sinning woman see the sins of her days and ways. Let her know, blah, blah, blah. All this craziness. And so Carrie's even like, I didn't sin, mama. Like, what are you doing? You're hurting me. You know, and she just like, Margaret drags Carrie into the prayer closet the fucking chokey like from matilda um and she's just like going on and on about this like genesis quote or whatever and then her daughter's just like banging on the freaking door um just trying to get out you have this like dramatic music sting and then she like lights a little candle and she sees her little saint sebastian um little figure that looks really freaky 
Um, again, not very religious, so I really don't know anything about St. Sebastian, but you know, that's what that is. It's not a Jesus. It's a, it's a St. Sebastian. You then see, uh, Margaret at her sewing machine. So she's sewing, 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 and her daughter finally comes out of the, the prayer closet. And she just says, um, Margaret just says like, you know, you can go to bed now. And so you just see that it, Carrie's just being abused. She's being abused at school because of the bullies she has to deal with. And then she's being abused at home because her mom is like a f- religious fanatic. And it's crazy. So then, like, Carrie is just, like, you know, contemplating on her goddamn life that she has. And she's crying in this mirror. And she breaks that shit so quick. Um, and it just, like, you know, kind of moves and just breaks. And then, you know, um, Margaret's all like, just, like, Carrie? And then her mom just like comes upstairs and be like, what was that noise? Um, and then she's like, go to bed. And she's like, yeah, well, mom, let's stay in my prayers. So we, we end that scene and then we go into Carrie in English class. So, um, you see the English teacher, uh, is like talking about like this poem that's being written. And he's like, Tommy Ross, this is way different than, you know, scoring touchdowns or whatever. Even though I don't know if he actually like, I don't know if Tommy is like a football player though. I thought he was a track star, but you know, whatever. And he, you know, the English teacher's asking for like any criticisms. Uh, Carrie says that she thinks that Tommy's poem is beautiful, which I think is very nice. You have that cute, um, see it, um, you have that split screen shot of the Syat Doppler, I believe, or Syat Diopter or whatever. Um, you see that shot, whatever. It's great. And the teacher's a freaking dick because he, she's all, he's all like, um, what does he say? He's like, um, you know, it's hardly a criticism, Carrie. And then like Tommy under his breath is all like, you know, you suck. He's saying it to the teacher pretty much. And then the teacher's like, excuse me, Tommy Ross. And then he, he's like, what'd you say? And then Tommy's just, he says like, I said, all shucks. Uh, so yeah, that teacher's a freaking dick though, but he stands up for Carrie, which is cool. And I actually don't mind that. Then we get into one of the greatest scenes. All right. Miss. Yeah. Ooh. So Miss Collins, she, um, Oh my, she reads these girls, honey. She reads them. Okay. Because she is just like, um, I want you to know you did a really shitty thing. Um, and you know, she's all like, you know, if it was my decision, you would have three days suspension and refusal of your prom tickets. And that would get you where you live, wouldn't it? But the office has decided that you have to have one week's detention, but there's still one little catch. It's to be my detention. That means it's 50 minutes out on the, uh, athletic field. Uh, and you're going to be there the whole time. And then Chris under her breath is all like, you know, I'm not going. And then Miss Collins is like, uh-huh, okay, well, that's up to you, Chris. That's up to all of you. But punishment for skipping detention will be three days suspension and refusal of your prom tickets, ho. So, exactly. There you go. Now, suit up. And then Chris is all like, oh, I'm not going. And then, you know, everyone's just, like, kind of over it. But they have this, like, little gym class torture. Torture, quote-unquote. Where you see these, like, cute little outfits that these girls got on, and they're just, like, doing these calisthenics and all that shit, and I'm just like, eh, okay. But, like, you know, you see, you see that going on, it's, like, set to this, like, really silly music. Um, oh, dear God, Pino DiNaggio, I love you, though. But, um, anyway, during this time, you also see that Carrie is looking through the hard catalog. She's trying to find out about miracles, you know, she's trying to figure out, trying to be learned, if you will. Um... 
And then, you know, you then go back to the athletic field and you see the girls like, you know, jogging in place and all that. And then Chris is just like, she can't get away with this. You know, if we all stick together, blah, blah, blah. And then like, uh, Sue Snell's just like, girl, like, let it go. Jesus Christ. Like, let it go, Chris. Like, like hell I will. And then, um, you know, the period's not up, Harkinson. Like, well, it is for me. And you're like, you keep going, keep going. There's still 10 minutes left. And then um, Chris tells uh, her to shove it up your, I don't even know what they say. I'm going to say it says shove it up your ass, but you don't actually hear that. Um, and then Miss Collins literally slaps the dog shit out of Chris. And she squares up on her too. She's like, you do one more move, I'm going to knock you down, okay? She squares up on that girl. So I was just like, God damn. And so then Chris is like, you know, we can't get away with this. Not if we just stick together. You know, Norma. And then Norma ain't got nothing to say. Helen, Edie McClurg ain't got nothing to say. And then she's like, Sue. And then Amy's just like, Amy Irving's just like, shut up, Chris. Just shut up. And then she's, this is not over. This isn't over for a long shot. Um, and he's like, you're out of the prom, Harkinson. And it's just wonderful. And then she's like, yeah, one, two, one, two. Come on, keep going. Um, I tell you, stop running. Anyway, so then Carrie looks at a book called Hidden Powers of the Mind. She learns about telekinesis. She learns, she shows us that she can read um, with her, her little finger just like going and telling us all about telekinesis. That's what you got, girl. Then you got Tommy and Sue who are like a cute little couple. If you remember back to the um, when Sue's mother sees Margaret or whatever, you see that there's like this little photo of uh, Sue and Tommy on her little, um, her little like... Uh, what is that called? Like a little stand or whatever. It's cute. So then Tommy and Sue, they meet on the track. That's what I'm saying. Like, I thought he was a track star. I don't know if he's like a football star, but whatever. Um, so Sue asked Tommy to take Carrie to the prom. Cause she's like, you know what? Listen, like I was being trifling and I want you to, you know, take her to the prom to try to be nice to her pretty much. So then we move into Chris and Billy in the car. Uh, so Billy's driving his car and, you know, Chris is just getting all cued all up in the passenger seat. And then Billy sees some friends driving next to him. Uh, we see a guy named Freddie. Uh, and then John Travolta, who's playing Billy, is like, give me one of those beers. And uh, he just, like, willingly drinks and drives. So I'm just like, okay, Jesus Lord. Anyway, so then uh, you see a car full of girls ne drive next to Billy and Chris. Um, and then you see the cops drive next to Billy and Chris, and they have, like, a little flashlight. Um, and he's just like, mm, I ain't drinking. I ain't doing nothing. So then uh, you also hear that uh, Chris keeps calling Billy when he says something kind of, like, clumsy or whatever. Stupid shit. And I guess he doesn't like when he she says that. You get the intro to that. You also get some, like, domestic violence where he just, like, hits her. And he hits her, like, once or twice. It's, like, really ridiculous. Like, but then you also are, like, I mean, Chris, like, I think it's also explored in the other adaptations a little bit of just, like, how um, she's kind of coming from a, a hard background, you know? And uh, I don't think she gets a whole lot of love at home, honestly. So, you know, that's why she's just is continually being a bitch. Which is interesting because, actually, uh Nancy Allen and John Travolta, who play these characters, they never really saw themselves as, like, the these horrible people, you know? Even though that's what they're supposed to be. They don't see them as that. They just see them as kind of, like, funny, you know? And they're, like, the jokesters, you know what I mean? So that's how they kind of took it. And then for whatever reason, they just, like, turn around, like, you see a U-turn or something. I don't know where the hell they're going, but, all right, there's that. 
So then Tommy and Sue, Sue's like working on some homework and Tommy's uh, watching like a Western uh, at her house or something like that. And then, so Tommy agrees to take Carrie to the prom, which is very nice. Um, cause it took him a minute to, to figure it out. So then Chris and Billy, they go to like this little, um, I don't know if this is like the honey, the beehive or whatever. This might be the beehive. Uh, it's like a little club that they go to. They go out in a little parking lot. And so Chris and Billy are in the car. And then Chris is all like, you know, oh, why are you in such a hurry? Like, come on. And she's like, you know, just like um, kind of being like a little cat on him almost. Um, then you see that he's getting a... Uh, He's getting a nice little, uh, little. it's not road head because he's not driving, but you could say it's like a little nice car, car blow job. Uh, and then while she's doing this, she just keeps saying, Billy, oh, Billy, Billy, oh, Billy. And then I'm just like, isn't her mouth supposed to be like filled with that? Anyway, but so then you just hear her say, Billy, I hate Carrie White. And then he just says, who? aren't you supposed to be sucking my dick? Like, what the hell? Anyway, so that's how that worked. So then you have Carrie and Tommy at the library. And so Carrie is like, you know, uh, she's in the stacks. And then Tommy finds her. And he's all like, hey, Carrie, how are you doing today? And like, then uh, what's your book about? And then she's like, it's about sewing. Um, sewing, that's good. And then he's trying to invite her to the prom. Um so he asks her to the prom, but then she runs away. Relatable, Carrie. Relatable. I get it. Um, so then you see uh, Miss Collins, and she's, like, doing a little gym class or something. Uh, but then she's, like, walking down these stairs, and she is uh, she finds Carrie just, like, sitting by herself. Um, I don't know if it's outside a bathroom or something, or I don't know, but there's, like, a mirror inside this little, like, room that they, she takes her in. Anyway, so... You know, Carrie's, like, sitting on this little bench, and Miss Collins is like, you know, was it one of the girls? Like, you know, you know you can uh, trust me. Like, you know, you tell me whatever. And so Carrie's telling her, like, you know, well, you know, Tommy Ross invited me to the prom. And she's like, that's great. Like, you know, like, he's really cute. Um, and then Carrie's like, I know who he goes with. Like, you know, I know they're trying to trick me. And so then Miss Collins is all like, you know, we got to do something about this, like, attitude you have of just, like, moping around and all that. So, you know, she goes in this little room with, like, this mirror, and she tells her how, like, that's a pretty girl. Like, this is a pretty girl. Like, if you put your hair up, maybe a little, use a little lipstick, you know? Um, she gives her a little pep talk, and that's really nice, you know? Um, and she's trying to be helpful. Like, she's trying to be helpful as, as a teacher is trying to empower their students and, and be able to do that, which I, 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 I like and appreciate. So then, um, Miss Collins confronts Tommy and Sue up in the office, okay? And so, you know, she's pretty much saying, like, listen, like, I, I know you're trying to do something, like, I just feel it, like, you know, you're trying to, are, are you trying to hurt Carrie White, pretty much? And Sue's pretty much like, no, I'm not, like, I just asked her, you know, I asked Tommy to ask her because, you know, I want to get her involved in stuff, I want her to, you know, kind of acclimate a little bit better, all this kind of stuff is what she's pretty much saying. And Tommy's kind of just going with the flow of it all. Then you see Norma's ass. You see her bringing the attendance sheets to Miss Collins. And then she's just standing there as if, like, she's not just talking to Tommy and Sue. And then she's like, that'll be all, Norma. Bye. Um, like, go away. And so, um, and then you see that, like, um, 
Miss Collins is saying, like, well, don't you think you look a little silly when coming to, you know, the prom with Carrie? And this is my thought about Miss Collins. So, at least with this Miss Collins, I was like, okay, Miss Collins. So, like, I know you're trying to be there for your student, and it's all that kind of stuff. I, I get that. And you're trying to help her and all that. But I also feel like she's a, a little bit two-faced. Because I'm like, okay, so you're saying that, like, Tommy's going to look uh, ridiculous, quote-unquote, like, bringing Carrie to the prom? Like, what are you? You can't play both sides of the field, Miss Collins. Like, come on now. Um, like, are you here for Carrie or not? Like, honestly. Um, so I thought she was a little itty-bit two-faced. Just a little bit. But that's just my opinion. Um, but overall, she is trying to be helpful towards her student. I would hope, at least. Because that other teacher was a freaking dick anyway. But, like, you know. But I'm just like, mm -hmm, But Miss Collins, you're just like a tiny little bit two-faced. Just a little bit. Um, so then Tommy goes to Carrie's house. He drives up in his uh, big old red truck he has. And he knocks on the door. And Carrie's like, why... Like, I can't go. Like, I can't go. Like, why is this so important to you? And he's saying, like, you know, well, maybe it's because you liked my poem. Maybe that's why I'm, I'm interested and I want to ask. And then she finally is like, all right, like, fine. Like, I'll go with you. Fine. So then um, you then move into the scene where Billy and Chris and the crew go to a slaughterhouse and they kill a pig with a freaking sledgehammer. So a little fun fact about um, the... You see this, like, painted pig's kind of, like, um, what is it? It's like, a, it's like a mural, almost, that they're walking beside. And this was actually scouted out um, by a art assistant or a location assistant at the time. Uh, a unknown at the time, uh, Bill Paxton was working with Jack Fisk um, at this time, and he actually found this in California, because even though this movie, so I think the story in the book takes place in Maine, and I think, according to IMDb trivia, I think they say that this is supposed to take place in North Carolina, I guess. Uh, but this is all shot in Los Angeles and, like, California, pretty much. But Which makes total sense. But, yeah, but you just see, like, Billy, Chris, and their friends just, like, going to the slaughterhouse. And they're about to kill a pig. Because um, they're freaking sociopaths and they're crazy. Um, to drain the pig of his blood, which is insane. Anyway, so, you know... Um, so then you see that, like, the one guy doesn't want to do it, so then Billy is, like, taking the sledgehammer, and he just, like, hits this pig, you don't see anything, but then Nancy Allen, you know, Chris is just like, do it! Do it! You know, and so it's just, like, ridiculous. Then you get to this wonderful, iconic dinner scene, where you have the Last Supper tapestry um, up in the, the little dining room. And you hear Margaret saying, you know, Carrie, you haven't touched any of your apple cake. And, you know, Carrie's like, it gives me pimples, mama. And then, like, freaking Margaret's like, pimples are the Lord's way of chastising you. And, like, you can tell in this scene, like, Carrie is just asking, like, you know, like, I just want to be normal. Like, you know, mama, you know, tell me I, you know... The other kids, they think I'm funny. I don't want to be. I want to be normal. I want to try and be a whole person before it's too late for me. And then she just gets water thrown in her face by her mom. And, um, yeah, it's crazy. And she's like, what are you prattling on about, Carrie? And then she says, like, I've been invited to the prom. And then she says that whole thing. She says, like, you know, um, 
I'm funny. Like, you know, the, all the kids think I'm funny. I don't want to be. I want to be normal. And then her mom, like, throws water in her face. But she's trying to tell her, like, I, I want to be a whole person. Like, I don't want to be you, pretty much. Um, she says, you know, his name is Tommy Ross. And he said he'd come in and meet you. And he's a very nice boy. And all of this. And she said, I've accepted, Mama. I've accepted. And then she starts to say some, you know, kind of good shit. She's saying, like, you know... Like, everyone in Bad Mama, everything in the sin, you know, and she's just like, it's just an iconic scene. I freaking love it. And so then, you know, and then um, Margaret starts to talk about the smell, you know, the boys. After the blood come the boys. They're trying to figure out where that smell comes from, where that smell. And so it's just, like, so freaky. And so then... um you know, like, the rain's coming in, so, like, Margaret's, like, about to go close the window, and then she's like, please sit and talk with me, and then, you know, she just, like, closes all the windows and stuff, and she's just being a freaking legend, and so, like, then Margaret's like, you know, you're a witch, and be like, I'm not a witch, it's me, like, it's not devil, I would know if it's the devil, and I love this one quote where, you know, Margaret's all like, you know, um, he doesn't let you know that he's working within you. You know, he he tempted your father and, he, you know, that's why he went away or whatever. And then Carrie just says, he ran away, Mama. He ran away with a woman. Everybody knows that. So you already know that you're like, okay, this is a single mother type situation. The dad left with a woman. They the talk of the town because everyone knows their business. So I'm like, mm-hmm, all right, we got that. But anyway, so then after that beautiful iconic dinner scene that I love so much, uh, you see Chris and Billy put the blood in a uh, bucket and they're setting up. And then you see Margaret praying while Carrie is making her dress, which is so nice because she's like a friggin' seamstress. So at least she can maybe try to, you know, get out on her own and like make dresses and stuff. So then you see Freddie, um, a friend of um, a friend of the, the popular crowd, uh, and Chris, they're hatching a plan with this guy. I think his name's Ernest. He has like glasses and shit. Um, and, you know, Freddie's asking, like, you know, I just have so much school spirit, like, I want to try and collect ballots at prom, is that alright, cool, is that alright? And then Ernest is like, yeah, you know, can you be here at 6.30? And then he's like, no, no, I can't be there at 6.30, but how about 8? Yeah, 8 works, okay. So then they're able to do that, like, really quick, and then I love this little scene with Helen and Norma at the salon. If you notice, um... Norma has her red um, hat or whatever, and it's on top of the hair dryer that she's sitting under. I think it's so silly. And I love how they say, like, Helen, Helen. And then Helen's just like, what? And she's like, did you hear about Tommy Ross? And she's like, what? Did you hear about Tommy Ross? What? And he's like, he's taking Terry White to the prom. And then they're just, like, cackling like hens. It's, like, pretty much me and my squad. Um, and be like, what is she going to wear? Sackcloth? So then you see, um, yeah, so then you see Frida, um, this girl Frida, and Sue is talking on a, a ladder about, like, you know, yeah, it's true, like, Tommy is taking Carrie White to the prom. And before that, you see Carrie going into, like, a drugstore or something. So then you see them talking on the ladder, and then Norma and Chris on the bottom, you know, they're, uh, they're talking, and then Chris, you know, Norma's all like, tell me what's going on, and then, you know, Chris is all like, well, you know, you'll know later, blah, 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 and then she tells her, like, she whispers it to her, and being like, oh, okay, that's what's gonna happen, okay, got it, girl. So then the boys, you see Thomas, you see Ernest from before, 
Thomas, Tommy, Ernest, and a mystery friend. I never got his name. I think he's Frida's boyfriend or something. Um, you see them go tuxedo shopping, which is just like a really silly scene that, you know, Ernest doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a tuxedo body and, you know, it's just like a really weird little scene. So then you have, um, oh, and then Carrie tries on lipstick. She's trying to look all cute and stuff, but, you know, she doesn't know how to put on the lipstick because she don't wear that stuff. But, you know, she's at least trying to look cute, though. She's trying to look cute for her, her mans. So, um, anyway, so then you have uh, Carrie getting ready for prom, so she's putting on her mascara or whatever, and she's, you know, just trying to look good. And her mom comes up, and she says, um... She just says, you know, like, red. I thought I might have known it would be red. And her mom is, and her, uh, and Carrie's just like, it's pink, mama. Like, what are you talking about? And so, you know, you have all that. And then, um, Margaret's like, I can see your dirty pillows. Everybody will. And Carrie corrects her and says, breasts, mama. They're called breasts. And every woman has them. And then, you know, uh, Margaret's all like, you know, they're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. And then they, she starts saying, like, you know, oh, like, you know, he's not coming. He isn't coming. Like, you know, we can just burn that dress. You know, all this. And it's just like so. And then Carrie's just like, stop. Like, I'm already nervous. Like, shut up. And then she's like trying to like, you know, um, Margaret's trying to overpower her daughter. And then like Carrie just uses her powers to be like, just sit down. Don't do anything until I leave. Okay. And I'll be home early. Okay. And then Tommy actually shows up and then they go out to prom. So then Carrie and Tommy arrive at the prom. They're in his little car that he has. Um, I don't actually know. Do they show up in the car or they show up in, um, the truck? Maybe they show up in the truck. But, uh, anyway, so then Carrie comes into the prom. She goes to the table. She's like, uh, her little friend Frida is like talking to, um, Carrie. She's like, I love that dress. Like, where'd you get it? And she's like, oh, I made it. And so then you see Sue at the dinner table and then she's just like, time is it and there's like eight something or whatever and then she's like okay i'm gonna go out for a little bit bye <laughs> so then um tommy asks carrie to dance and then carrie doesn't want to dance because she's just like i can't dance like da 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 and then miss collins and carrie they're talking so then miss collins comes up she's like you look beautiful um and then uh, i think like uh tommy's going to get some punch or something like that and he, like, leaves, and they're having, like, a little girl talk, you know, and she's just like, I remember my time at my prom. You know, I got these, like, um, I was with this guy from the basketball team, but he was, like, a little shorter, and, like, I was taller than him, so, like, I had to, um, or what was it? It was something, no, he was on the baseball, he was on the basketball team, he was tall and she wore heels to make herself tall but then she just like screwed up her feet a little bit and so she couldn't really dance but they just like talked all night and all that and it was just such a memorable experience and you were like oh that's so nice and so um this is also when you hear um carrie saying that like you know it's like being on mars you know and it, it is for her she this is so surreal and otherworldly in a way like you know she never would have gone to a prom and so you know it's it's great that she has this experience which is which is really nice 
then Tommy comes back to the the table, and after um, Herms Collins hug, and he's like, you know, don't catch me hugging, don't me, uh, don't let me catch you hugging any guys like that or whatever, and that's all nice and dandy. And then Carrie and Tommy finally go out to the dance floor and they dance. And then, you know, Carrie's just like dancing. She's putting her head in his like shoulder. And then he's, she's just like, Tommy, why am I here? And why am I here with you? Why? You know, she's asking these questions and he's just like going with it and going with it. And they're getting the fucking spins because this like shot will make you like pass out almost. But then you see that Tommy actually kisses Carrie, which is like, it's just kind of nice. I mean, you know, and then you hear this song like um, about, you know, I never thought someone like you would love someone like me. Um, and it's just a really nice little, you know, um, it's a nice little scene, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it's very nice. And it's showing that like, this really is like her being on Mars. This is like, it's turning out to be a really great night for Carrie. You know, you're setting this up to show that like, this is a really awesome night for her and she, you know, it's just, it's, everything's going good, you know? Um, so a little bit about that. So like, you know, the, the, I believe, um, Betty Buckley, I think just improv that whole little story that she told, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is kind of funny. So then Sue arrives at the prom. So she actually can't go because she doesn't have a date, but she ends up like kind of sneaking in into the backstage area uh, behind the stage. And she's just like watching this because she's just like, oh, you know, this is so cool, whatever, whatever. So then, you know, voting for king, queen of the prom. And so you, uh, Carrie sees that the ballot has her name and Tommy's name. Be like, oh, we shouldn't vote for ourselves. And then Tommy's just like, well, let's just do it. Like, there, there, it's not much anyway. It's not anything that serious, you know. And uh, to hell with uh, false modesty. Um, and then uh, Carrie says something like, "To the uh, the devil with false modesty" or whatever. And so, um, so that's all well and good. Um, then you see a shot like vertically, which is just like Margaret back at home, like pacing back and forth in the kitchen. She just takes a carrot and a butcher knife and just like slams the knife on the carrot and is just like chopping it. And so you're just like, okay, great. Awesome. Uh, so then you see Chris and Billy under the stage. So you see that Chris is under there with Billy. They're going to be um, making this prank happen. And so they're just like, do you want people to see us? Like, close that a little bit, you know? So you see that, and you see that they're there. So then this begins the shot that is all one shot, which is crazy. Uh, Is Tommy and Carrie winning prom king and queen? And everybody... So then you also are getting the... um, Before this a little bit, you get this whole scene with Norma and Freddie who I think are, like, dating. I think they're together. And they're collecting ballots. Collecting ballots, collecting ballots. You see this whole thing where they're collecting all the ballots. And then they go to a particular area, like, where nobody can really see them. uh, And, like, they kiss. And then they, like, drop the ballots. They put them under a table. And then they get these new ballots, which are, like, the fake ballots or whatever. That all have the... uh, you know, Tommy and, and Carrie won when really they probably actually didn't. Um, I think in the story, like in the book, these were actually found, the real ballots were actually found later. Um, but yeah, so 
But woohoo, Tommy and Carrie, they win Prom King and Queen, and it's so wonderful. And they're heading up to the stage. You have this beautiful score by Pina Donaggio. It is so good. Um, and so then, you know, again, this is all one shot, which is kind of insane. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty much a big shot of that. Like, you know, they're just doing this whole thing. And so then Sue is like behind the stage and she's like looking, but then she notices there's this like little rope that's like right near her. And she's like, what the hell is this? So that as, you know, um, Tommy and Carrie, they head up to the, um, they head up to the, the stage to collect their, you know, crown and their, the flowers and all that stuff. And it's really nice. But then Sue's following this rope and she's just like walking out She's just, like, seeing, like, what this is. So she's noticing, like, what the heck? There's, like, a bucket. You don't hear anything. There's no dialogue. No dialogue. So this is all just music and visuals. So then you just see, like, she's seeing that there's this bucket above. It's, like, right above Carrie. And then she follows the rope, and she's just looking, looking, looking. And then she sees this pair of hands with the rope. And she's just like, what the heck? So she goes and, like, kind of slow-mos. It's all in slow-mo, too. And so, like, you know, she's looking underneath the stairs. And she sees her ex-friends, pretty much. uh, uh, Tommy, or no, sorry, uh, Chris and Billy. Although I don't really know if Billy's her friend. But, like, you know, you see these people... And be like, what the hell? So then Miss Collins is getting wind of this. And she's just like, oh, God. Like, we need to get rid of her. You know, whatever, whatever. Like, she's here without a date. And you see this whole thing. So Miss Collins is, like, thinking she needs to, like... She's, like, pulling uh, Sue. And she's, like, pulling her out. So she could, like, just, you know, have her leave. Because she's like, okay, we can't have any more ruckus. Uh, And then you even see, like, Tommy looking at Sue. And then Carrie looking at Sue, too. And, you know... She's like, what exactly is going on? And then literally once uh, Miss Collins pushes her out of the, um, once they push her out of the prom and the doors are closed, that is when you have the fateful pull of the string, the pull of the rope, and the pig's blood, which was made of corn syrup, just falls all over Carrie. And it's just like this, the sound design of this too is just so awesome. It is literally just like this, um, the sound of the bucket and like the bucket just swinging. It's like really, really good. And so the blood drops and she's just covered in it. You see Norma starting to laugh and uh, some other guys starting to laugh at her. But like everybody else just looks so disgusted and so can't even, right? And then even Tommy's like, you know, what the hell? You see him mouthing these words. Uh, But then the bucket falls on his head and apparently kills him. And so then, um, you know, Billy and Chris are, you know, they leave out or they are, they, they leave underneath the stage and they're leaving out. And then you see these two people. You think you see Norma and Freddie, I guess. They're trying to go to the door. And you see Carrie... And she's covered in blood, and you just see her face, and you see her eyes, and you just know that something bad's going to happen. So then you just see, like, all these doors slamming, and then the red lights turn red. And I literally have in my notes, it just says, all fucking hell breaks loose. 
And then Carrie leaves the prom looking like an icon, which is very true. But then pretty much, like, she burns this fucker to the ground. So, um, I mean, you know, Sue's knocking on the door. She's like, somebody open this door. And so then Carrie's, like, you know, um, getting the fire hose. And she's, like, hosing bitches down. Uh, fun fact is that Norma, PJ Souls, um, you see her getting, you know, um, hosed down. And what actually happened was that... Um, they wanted to do it at full blast, even though the fire marshal or whatever said, like, oh, you shouldn't do that. But it, it happened, and it actually busted her eardrum, and so she was literally unconscious when this whole thing happened, which is crazy and doesn't sound fun. Yeah, so, like, the, the principal or, like, the English teacher, so the principal, I think, is there, and he gets electrocuted by, like, the freaking... Um, microphone or whatever and then um the english teacher then like rolls back he sits on fire and then shit just sits on fire and it really just turns into hell at this point you're just like oh my dear god like what is going on so then like carrie's just killing all these people and she's just like all of them just every last one of them and so um she's just leaving this reign of just terror and she opens the doors with her telekinetic powers and then she closes them and then she just burns that bitch to the ground icon icon legend and star honestly so then she leaves the prom looking like an icon and so then um so she's walking on the road and you see chris is driving billy's car billy is looking like a little drunk idiot and so then Carrie, like, freaking Chris is a sociopath, and she's, like, trying to run Carrie over. And then Carrie is like, nah, I'm going to flip the script on you. And, like, she flips the car and just, like, makes it explode with them inside of it, which was just iconic. So then Carrie walks home. She's looking like an icon, you know. And so then Carrie uh, goes into her house. She finds that the house is being lit with a bunch of candles. So that's fun. And then she's going upstairs to where her uh, bathroom is, and um, she goes into the bathroom, but when she goes in the bathroom, you see her freaking mother is just, like, behind the door of the bathroom, looking like a freaking mannequin, looking crazy, scary. So you're like, okay, like, oh my god. So she gets in the bath, and she's bathing. Um, she, like you know, soaps herself up, she soaps her hair, all that stuff, and she's just getting clean, trying to get all the blood off, as she changes into her nightgown. And so, then you see Carrie asking for her mom, and she's like, you know, um, you're like, mom, they all laughed at me, like, you know, like, you were right, like, they all laughed at me, just hold me, mama. And then Margaret is recounting the night that Carrie was conceived, like, you know, me and Ralph, you know, we were good. Like, we didn't do anything. Um, we, we didn't do anything. And then, then he had that roadhouse whiskey on his breath. And I liked it. I liked it. And it's just, like, really over the top and crazy. I freaking love Paper Lori. But anyway, so, like, um, she then talks about how sin never dies. And you just gotta keep killing it, you know, kind of a thing. So then, you know, she's holding her daughter. You know, Margaret's holding her daughter. And then she just brings up, and then it's like, oh, Father, who art in heaven, da 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 And then she just brings this butcher knife and just, like, stabs Carrie in the back. Um, 
And then Carrie, like, literally falls down. She falls down those stairs. And she's just, like, backing up with her mom. And her mom just, like, has this, like, deranged look on her face. Like, this deranged smile. And it's just, like, an ecstasy of just, like, about to kill her daughter. And she's just, like, gonna stab her. Because she also said, like, I should have given you to God when I had the chance. Like, I should have killed you when you were a baby. Which is, like, really dark. So then, um... So Carrie then crucifies her mom. And then her mom is like, has this, in this like orgasmic kind of like, I don't know what's going on, but like, you know, she has this kind of like moaning going on while she's being crucified by every fucking like sharp thing in the house. Very much so, you know, she crucifies, you know, she literally recreates the St. Sebastian like little friggin' figurine that she has um, on her mom, pretty much. And so then Carrie's like looking at her and then she just like takes a knife out of her mom's hand and then she just screams. Um, and so she takes her mom, so Carrie takes her mom into the prayer closet while the house is just falling in on itself or there's like boulders that are like coming in, which is insane. And so then, um, so this was like part of the book that like these boulders just like fell out of the sky or these meteors or something. They just like fell out of the sky into the white residence, which you see more in the 2002 remake actually. And there was actually an opening scene that was supposed to be Carrie as a child. And she uh, comes across a next door neighbor of hers who's sunbathing and is teaching her about like, yeah, these are your breasts, blah, 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 blah. Um, and there was actually, and it was, it was talked about in the movie, the 2002 movie, and it was a scene that was shot that kind of shows this. And it was actually, there was a similar scene shot with Sissy Spacek being Carrie as a young person. And it was shot and everything, but it just kind of taken out, which was kind of unfortunate. But there are like production stills of it. And so then, yeah, Carrie and her mom just die in the house. So that's a really um, uplifting, fun ending of this whole thing. So Carrie's dead. Her mom's dead. The house is just like caved in on itself. And then we're back at Sue's house. And Sue is sleeping. Her mom is next to her in a chair. And the phone rings. And, you know, Mrs. Snell is like, Betty, thank God it's you. You know, I don't think I could have taken one more reporter. Like, you know, Sue's okay. She's sleeping too much. But Dr. Schneider, you know, uh, expects that, you know, that would be normal with what she's gone through. You know, we just have to get away. Um... Fun fact, so if you don't already know, Priscilla Pointer, who plays Sue Mrs. Snell, um, she actually then played a doctor, uh, I don't remember the doctor's name, but she played a doctor in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. She plays the main um, psychiatric doctor in that, so that's fun. But Sue is sleeping, so Sue is sleeping, and she has this dream, pretty much, I guess. Um, it's like a dream where... Um, she's walking with flowers. She's wearing like this white gown. It's like a dress and she's walking to this grave site for Carrie, which is pretty much where the house was. It's where Carrie's house was. So she's like walking, walking. It's very dreamlike. It's very, you know, just like, um, it was actually shot in reverse, I believe to make it have this dreamlike quality. And so she goes up to this like makeshift cross, where it's a for sale sign or something, but it then says, like, Carrie White burns in hell or whatever. So, you know, Sue has these um, these flowers, and she's about to put them onto her grave site 
when all of a sudden a hand, a bloody hand, just like comes up from the rebel and is trying to pull Sue down. Um, and then she's just like screaming and her mom is just like consoling her and just consoling her. Like, I'm here, I'm here. And you see like Sue's little suitcases and everything. And then you hear all this dramatic music and everything. And then that's the end of the movie. Um, so a little, uh, if you didn't already know, kind of a little fun fact. So this ending scene of the movie, Carrie, is, is kind of a, a big shock. Um, people weren't expecting it at the time. You know, they thought it was all done. Um, so this very much came and inspired the ending of Friday the 13th from 1980, where, you know, Alice is like the final girl. She survived all the killings and everything. And she's on the water. She's like putting her hand in the lake, which is kind of gross. And so then um, Jason comes up from the, you know, from the water and like brings her under or whatever. And it's all a dream. So this was absolutely, that was absolutely inspired by Carrie. Um, and then there's been other references for it as well. But like I said, that is the end of Carrie. I mean, this is honestly my favorite horror movie of all time. Um, I just feel for Carrie. I feel for this character. Um, this is like the ultimate bullied kid revenge story, you know? And I think that's why so many people can really understand it and, and can really, um, identify themselves within it, you know? Um, I know this movie and story in particular is really, um, you know, deep with the queer community as well, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of LGBTQIA people, uh, really like the story cause they feel, they feel for Carrie and they feel like, you know, yeah, like good for her. Like she's able to like finally get revenge on these people who have really messed with her. And honestly, they all kind of deserve it. Really, I mean, they all were kind of shit. They've been bullying her forever, and you know what? Like, there you go. Like, that's what happens. So, I would definitely give yourself a wonderful treat, you know, watching Carrie. You can get this on, um, it's on Shutter right now. It might go away. So, we're doing this in around August 16th or something like that, somewhere in there. Um, actually, I think is the 18th. But, you know, we're looking at, like, uh, it's on there. It's on Tubi. It's on Prime right now. Um, God, what else? Yeah, you can find Carrie a lot of different places. I mean, um, you can pull up and, like, rent this on YouTube probably. I mean, I highly recommend it. I'd say treat yourself to it. Um, get yourself the Blu-ray if you want. Like, you know, I, I would definitely recommend it no matter what. Um, it is a penultimate horror movie. Um, it freaks me out. Um, and it's still just, like, it's just pretty much, it's, like, nine, nine and a half for me at least. Like, it is pretty much almost perfect. So, I mean, uh, that's really all I have to say about that. As always, if you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com in case you wanted to give any movie recommendations, if you wanted to give feedback on the show, or if you just wanted to say, hey girl, hey, I'm open to all of it. You can also follow Cult Cinema Circle on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Instagram handle is Cult Cinema Circle. Twitter handle is Cult Cinema Circle. On those platforms, I tend to post when new episodes have come out, what the new next episode will be 
um, post stories uh, on Instagram, all that kind of stuff, post Twitter, you know, um, pictures and everything like that. And then on Letterboxd, I'm at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, Kremp, K-R-E-M-P. Uh, I post the movies that I watch, and then I also um, write little reviews and just general foolishness over there. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. I'm all over the place. Be sure to leave five stars and leave a one to two sentence review. It helps the show get seen by more people and it helps grow the audience for the show. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. And remember, I can see your dirty pillows. Everybody will. Take care. Bye.